You're listening to Quintessentially Mental, a podcast hosted by SureEyes. Please note that this host is not a mental health practitioner or professional, and this podcast is not meant for treatment of any mental illness. Hey y'all, this is Quintessentially Mental, the podcast, and I'm your host, SureEyes. Today's episode is titled A Tale of Two Sisters, obviously inspired by A Tale of Two Cities. If I think about the first line of that, or the first sentence of that book, if my memory <laughs> if my memory doesn't fail me, you know, it goes, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And, and that sentence, you know, that, that opening line really sums up I guess the difference between my sister and I's experience growing up with our parents. Um, We're five years apart and so at each point in our early life, you know, we were almost an entire development phase ahead or I was always a development phase ahead of her. Um, E.g. she was eight, almost pre-teening and I was... 13 entering my adolescence you know and and that that line it was the best of times it was the worst of times really reflects our experience of our our family um where you know i i feel like i i experienced the disintegration of my parents marriage and that really affected me Um, And she kind of lived through the aftermath of that. And so in this episode, we really want to dig into the experiences and influence of those experiences on our mental health of two sisters born of the same parents um, who experience different things. So stay tuned. Baobalb.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling. This podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Podcast your life with baobalb.org. I guess for you to truly understand the dynamics of my family, I need to give you a bit of history, a a, a bit of context. So I'm one of six kids that I know of. <laughs> I say that because I I would describe my father as a bit of a loose cannon. Um, yeah, so I have an older brother who is a half-brother, so my mom's son, but not my father's son, um, who's five years older than me, but I grew up with him as if he was a brother. Um, it's then myself. I am the eldest girl of both my parents, it is then my sister, who I refer to. Um, she's five years younger than me, and we share parents. Then we have another sister, who's I technically a stepsister, um, where it's my ex-stepmom, so my father's second ex-wife, um, her daughter, and not my father's daughter. Then I have another sister, who turns 13 this year, um, again a half-sister, so the said ex, second ex-wife and my father's daughter, and then I've got a youngest daughter, I mean a youngest sister, can you see even I get confused, 
a younger sister who will be uh, seven this year. So my father is on to his third marriage, which is why, you know, I'm, we joke and say this is the kid that we know of. Um, but yeah, so, so to give you a bit of insight, um, you know, during my and my brother's kind of years coming up as kids and teenagers, we witnessed a lot of abuse, um, physical, mental, emotional, psychological, um, which really obviously affected me. I, I didn't have a very good relationship with my father as I, I almost viewed it as how can you treat my mother like that? And I guess he struggled to separate his role as a father and his role as a husband. And so the relationship between the two of us disintegrated completely. And so by the time my parents got divorced, I was 18. Um, and my, my sister, who's five years younger than me, was only 13. Now, during that time, you know, being my sister was, you know, the youngest at that time, the apple of my father's eye. And so there was a lot of, I think, intentional rift created between us where we, you know, we almost felt like competitors instead of sisters, where we were almost pitted against each other, you know, who my birthday being forgotten and hers being, you know, having the greatest fanfare. And I think I never really felt resentment towards her. I think I was mostly confused um, by, by this difference in the way that we were treated. But I know from her side, so whenever my, my father and I would fight, he would then change his attitude towards my sister, <clears throat> which would then create animosity between the two of us. And this went on for years. I then left at the age of 18 to go down to Cape Town to study, um, leaving my mom and my sister, you know, to kind of figure life out. And life was pretty rough for my sister. Um, things that I didn't really know about because I was so far away. And I think that's something that, you know, really affected her. And, uh, you know, it's something I hope to talk to her about in the next segment, you know, is me being away and not really understanding or being exposed to the challenges that she faced, that, the ch you know, the challenges that she and my mom faced and how that really affected her. So while my mental health was greatly influenced by the abuse that I saw, the abandonment of my father, of our family and relationship, um, and just the, the constant rejection, you know, where he's said to me that I'm not his daughter. And so I really want to dig into, you know, how the two of us being born of the same DNA were affected by these two people who went through different things at the different points in our in our upbringing. Welcome back to Quintessentially Mental. I'm here with my sister, Dale. Um, what's up, sis? Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm okay. Thanks for agreeing to chat to me. Well, I thought it was quite interesting that you did, that you actually asked me. Why? Um... 
I think it just challenged what I personally think about mental health. In what way? So we always, well, we always see people with mental health problems as they, not really as we, because we all experience them. Okay, so earlier on in the episode, I spoke a bit about how, you know, we're five years apart. And so my experience of my childhood, where our parents were still married, versus your experience of childhood and adolescence where things had broken down um, was very different. And so it's interesting that you say that you see it as they, when did you realize you were part of the we? (laughs) When did you, when did you realize, okay, I'm included in the the they. Um, It's actually quite recent. Uh, I think that the older I get, the more, I reflect on my childhood and my upbringing so that I can sort of realize where I need to adjust myself as Mm -hmm. a person because I do want to be a balanced, stable, emotionally aware, conscious human being. And to be able to break cycles, I need to go back deep into my upbringing and my experiences with both my parents. And the more I look around, not only internally, but externally, looking at other people, everybody is they. Everybody is we. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We are they and they are we. (laughs) Exactly. Everybody faces a level of um, mental challenges. I think that the difference between the they and the we is that they are people who are conscious of it and who are actively taking steps, not to correct it, but to get it under control. Yeah, I mean, we speak quite often about this. Like, I don't really think that it goes away. I'm just like, no, it doesn't. oh, I see you. I see you rearing your, your head. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe I don't, you know, react as much as I used to, or maybe it doesn't affect me for as long as it used to. But let's go, like, let's go into... So I speak a bit about how my upbringing kind of more so from my experience with our father than our mother. Like I only realized I had issues from my maternal relationship later on in my life versus realizing my paternal kind of issues. Mm -hmm. Um, If you could like highlight the three things that you maybe struggle with from a mental health perspective that you can see, okay, this is a direct, uh, this is directly from my upbringing. This is like a direct result of my upbringing. And, you know, maybe just say what those things are and, you know, how they affect you. And when you, when you made the link that, oh, it's because of this thing that happened when I was a kid that is now affecting me as an adult. Okay, I think the biggest thing for me has to be my level of aggression. I'm an extremely aggressive person, also in very, you know, situations that don't require such a high level of aggression. Um, I think I realized this with my daughter. So my daughter's name is Milan. She's... I have to be very specific about this. She's eight and a half. 
and she is a reflection of my aggression and I noticed that when she'd get anxiety being around me or she'd get really anxious telling me things about you know her anxiety would stem from my aggression and how I would react to really small things so I sort of realized that that was due to my upbringing or my childhood when I stayed with my mom and my parents our parents were already apart at that stage and all she did was complain and be aggressive in every situation where she would talk to about my father she was extremely aggressive towards it and also aggressive towards me around my schooling and different aspects of my life she was it was something that i was supposed to do you know um i think maybe you've t- spoken about biting the bullet but <laughs> we all it was very tough because she was she had to be so tough and she did it very aggressively um the second thing would be communication join us after the ad break when we continue the conversation baobab.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling this podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps including apple and google podcasts podcast your life with baobab.org Welcome back to Quintessentially Mental, the podcast hosted by Sure Eyes. Okay, wait, but okay, before we go into the the second thing, can we talk a bit about the first thing or do you want to talk do you want to kind of cover all three and then and then get into and it. And then get into it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So the second would be communication. I have to be conscious of the way I communicate. My mother is a mute. So Paula mumbled. <laughs> In the sense that she does not speak about what's going on. Um, and I think it's because she did not feel heard when she was married. And she felt like she just had to get on with it. So she did not communicate within her marriage or with me. Well, I also think it's the generation she grew up with, right? So like yes. she's, to give a bit of context, our mother just turned 60 Mm. And so that age group was very much of the you know stiff mm. upper lip type children are to be seen not yes heard. and you you just you don't talk about things you just bury them very deep and hope you don't implode you know <laughs> but when you when you add other things to that mix the explosion <laughs> implosion is bound to happen so i think it's more than just i think getting to a point where you know you don't express yourself because it's not culturally acceptable and then being in a relationship where you are silenced i mm. think has like just exacerbates the situation i think so you've explained it so well and so clearly um so yeah i have to be very conscious around the way i communicate and also pay attention to actually communicating because i can harbor things and then mm, don't i know <laughs> <laughs> it, all, it all sort of uh blends and mixes and you know the stories we tell ourselves sure, and you can the... make stories up in your head <laughs> my sister and then, and then it just explodes one day 
usually by a very passive trigger that shouldn't actually be a trigger, but due to a lack of communication or communicative skills, that's sort of the result. The third thing I would say is treating people as if they don't have feelings. Um, I actually feel sorry for my husband. He is a direct, what's the word? He, he bears the brunt yes. of this. He, he, yes, it directly in, impacts him all the time. So because people are just supposed to be strong, we're just supposed to do what we have to do, um, forgetting that there is emotion attached to it. So and those are the three things for me that really stand out. Of course, there's more. But, those, <laughs> but those are the three major ones that I'm trying to work on. And it, it can get a little frustrating because it feels like you're taking one step forward and four steps backwards. But I think being conscious of it is, is quite important. So, you know, when I would express certain things to my mom or to my father, they would just say, well, it is what it is. This is the way it is. There was no explanation. There was no context given. There was no understanding that I'm also a human being. And they treated me as if I'm just supposed to be strong. Like, so I think I treat other people the same. Like, why are you getting emotional? This is unnecessary. We need to do what we need to do. And it's, it, it makes me very insensitive towards other people. It's, it's so weird that, like, while you're talking now, I'm actually realizing I do the same thing. <laughs> I do also sometimes treat – I guess I have two states, right? I either treat people like they should have a more evolved emotional state of being. And so, like, why are you even – like, if you can't rationalize and reason and – but yet mm. I – go but my feelings and my emotions and this hurts me and this is my emotional response or I just like I'm also I'm so insensitive I'm really insensitive and and then also to to people that I'm in a relationship with it's not I I show more my baby daddy's always like I show more compassion to like my friends or my family than I do to him. But this is the conversation that we had earlier when I was saying that I treat my husband like he doesn't have feelings. Like if he, because he struggles with alcoholism and he can get into a state where, or, you know, if he starts drinking and it makes me anxious and I feel like, you know, he needs to be a certain way. There's a certain picture that I envision for my family. And if he does not live up to that, I get extremely verbally abusive. That That's so big of you to say. Contributes more to his issue. So, for me, it's like, for in my head, addiction doesn't exist. I'm but like, it's an illness, right? You do know is. it's a mental illness. No, no, I know. I'm completely aware of that. Yeah, but, but in that, when I'm in that emotion, emotionally immature state, or a state where I cannot show any compassion or understanding or empathy, I just, in my mind, addiction is not a choice. Because of that hardness that I grew up with. Like, you mean it is a choice? No, it's not. You cannot choose it. No, but okay. But you're saying in your, st- I'm confused. So maybe I'm not following you. In your, when you get like not compassionate, you go, you think that it is a choice or that it isn't a choice. It's not a choice. We cannot choose to be addicted to alcohol. We need to get over it. 
Oh, I see. Why? Okay, okay, I see. Okay, I see. Why are you choosing this? Okay, I understand. I understand. When you need to deal with it and move on, hmm. because that is how I grew up. I hear you. So it it only contributes more my verbal abuse, telling him how useless he is, or telling him that he's just an alcoholic and I'm not going to deal with this, or how he's incapable of as a father. Obviously, he struggled with that internally already because we. I believe that we are aware of our situations and I just break him down even more. That's really big of you to say. It's the truth. I feel like I need to go have a conversation with my baby daddy (laughs) (laughs) and be like, so I'm more of a dick than I'm admitting to. (laughs) And these are the conversations that we have over and over again is because it's like a vicious cycle. I struggle with aggression and he struggled with alcoholism and put the two together and it's a fuck up. Sure. That's hectic. So if, if I, if I think about the three things that you identified as kind of like your, your three main struggles in life stemming from childhood, you're quite affected by your relationship with mommy. I am. It's weird because I, I'm like, I'm affected, but I'm more affected by, what I saw between our parents and then my relationship and then lack of relationship with our father. Mm. And that's what I'm saying. I only realized I had the maternal problems later on in life. And I think I'm a lot more forgiving towards mummy than I am towards our father. Because like you mentioned at the beginning of um, our conversation is that you saw more between the two of them. Not so just stages were different. Yes. And I think I also, I think I've said this to you before, like I value what she did under the circumstances that she did it. So like it's yeah. her job to have mothered us. Yeah. That's her job. At, you know, or less so now because we're both adults, but like, I mean, under the conditions. Insensi- insensitivity is her job because Giving up is also a choice, but she chose differently. Does that what, make sense? What, what are you referring to specifically? So it's her job to mother. There comes that insensitivity, taking away the emotion where she actually did have a choice. She had a choice to give up. She had a choice that's fair. not to care. That's fair. But she chose, she chose not to. That's fair. That's fair. So I think the choice that she made under the circumstances that she was living, that yeah. we were living under was hectic. Like, I don't know, like I have one child and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go tie my tubes. Like (laughs) I can only deal with, with like psychologically affecting one person. I'm not having any more, you know, and thank you for being so open. I feel like this is a conversation we should pick up in another episode. Um, hopefully I'll be able to invite you back and you'll be open to that. Oh, that would be wonderful. Thank you. It's it's therapy for me. Ooh, (laughs) Hello, there's a disclaimer here. I am not a mental health professional. (laughs) I am very much in the we. But hopefully, I think this is quite a great introductory kind of chat about that link to childhood and how we only really identify that link later on in life and And some people go through life and never make the the link right or 
make the link and then blame and then go, I am this way and I have no agency because this happened and And not taking that agency back and saying, okay, I can all, this has happened. Shut. But like, I can also choose how to be exactly. And I can choose how to deal. And I I think that like Dazzle and his struggle really like if I look at her husband, Dazzle is her husband. If I, if I look at the person that he is like, he also struggles a lot mentally to, to stand up and to be firm because his he was beat into submission. He was hit almost every single day of his life by his father for exceptionally trivial issues. Oh, you did not clean the pool. I'll beat you to a point where you cannot attend school for two days. You know, And we were so verbally abused by his dad telling him how useless he is, as a, not only as a son, but as a person. So when I, when I tend to be abusive, you know, he keeps quiet because it's what he knows. Mm. So it's, it's, it's something that we all have to, or that I have to work on. And I think that it just takes, it takes strength to be honest with yourself, but that's the only way that you're going to make the necessary changes. Sure, I'm touched. Thank you so much, sis. I appreciate your time. Um, as I said, hopefully I'll be able to invite you back and we can do another, another chat. Did this feel like less of an interview and more of a conversation? Definitely a conversation. Okay. 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 That makes me feel good. (laughs) Okay, cool. Um, cool. And thanks again for your time. Thanks for having me. Sure. (laughs) As fun as mental health can be. (laughs) Cool. We're going to break for an ad break and, uh, I'll be back with some closing thoughts. Thank you for listening to this Spudcaster podcast. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe. You've been listening to Quintessentially Mental, the podcast, hosted by SureEyes. Join us next week as we continue the conversation about mental health. And remember, we are always perfectly ourselves.